Find other great podcasts like this one at podmoth.network. Welcome to Haunted Tales, your weekly dose of horror. We've got everything from ghosts, cryptids, and curses to deals with the devil, giant insects, and more. Sit back and enjoy this week's story after a little message from our friends. It all started once I finished this damned project at work. About three weeks ago? Harriet said, feeling the tiredness slowly creeping up on her, worming its way through the fear and stress that was keeping her awake. The soft chair she was sitting on definitely wasn't helping much either. If she wanted to, she could doze off in a matter of moments. It's... It's, well... It's a boring, boring story. But, to cut it short, we had to restructure something at my company. Cut some fat, if you know what I mean. Let some people go. People that I've worked with for a decade. Some took it well, others not so much. It was a hard time. A really brutal time. But in the end, we managed to balance it all and now we're looking pretty much set for a brighter future. A sly smile slowly crept onto her lips as she said it. She had come up with that part of the presentation, and her boss had loved it. It made it all seem so professional, so sterile. As if they hadn't just practically destroyed the lives of more than a dozen loyal workers. There was one guy, relatively new hire, Gustavo who reacted really, really badly to it. He was on his knees begging me. I didn't like that. It felt embarrassing to be seen like that. Like I was the one who was solely responsible for it all. His groveling, his begging, it made me kind of mad, I have to admit. Like, really Really mad. Things got a bit more heated after that. Security got involved and in the end, he was taken outside. I think that's about the time this whole thing started. The dreams, the hallucinations. Harriet blinked, then finally lifted her downcast eyes. Person sitting on the other side of the table still had his head tilted back and was waiting for her to continue speaking. That was his MO. I know, I know, doctor. She started again, averted her gaze and concentrated on the books behind him. You're still not convinced they're real? But I've seen them. I know what they are. You have to believe me. So, back to the start. 
After that project, everything began to crumble, to fray at the edges, to fall apart. I went home ecstatic because I thought I was now a shoo-in for the big promotion and opened a bottle of Jack, you know. I was too tired to go out and celebrate my victory any other way. I don't know. I couldn't even get down half a glass before I drifted off to sleep. Sitting in my comfy recliner, TV blaring, I practically lost consciousness. And as I opened my eyes, I instantly knew that I was dreaming. I knew it because my apartment had disappeared. Gone were the walls, my carpet, the recliner, the TV. I was still sitting, yeah, on one of those strangely uncomfortable seats with the scratchy upholstery and old worn-out springs underneath, staring into what I now know is a train car. It was the most vivid dream I have ever had. And I'm including the times I experimented with some stuff. Even now, I can remember it as clearly as I can your face. There were rows after rows of the same seats I was sitting on. Every single one looked exactly the same. Black patterns on the dark green upholstery. Plastic armrests, plastic trays dark linoleum floor. Even the smell fit perfectly in this picture. It stank like old dust, hints of different perfumes and deodorants, that and long-forgotten smoke. The lights burning above seemed ancient, dirty, yellowish and weak. And the noise, I can, I can hardly explain. It sounded so wrong. What I definitely remember is the feeling of being alone. The train was standing still, waiting for something in a station I couldn't even see out of the window next to me. No one was in there with me. And I remember the dread. It washed over me. As if I'd gone somewhere where I wasn't welcome. Strange, right? So, I looked around, rising out of my seat to fully take in the train car. And you know what I saw? Nothing. The light was as dirty yellowish as before, the upholstery still had this strange green and black pattern on every single other seat. There still was no one beside me on that train. But the feeling of being watched was getting stronger. And then suddenly, without a warning, I heard a loud horn blaring far away. And I woke up. Strange, right? Still, she was getting no answer. Could feel herself becoming increasingly uneasy by the silence. 
yet didn't dare to voice her concerns. She had found him in her hour of need, and he would help her. There was no doubt about that in her mind. His methods might be unconventional, but they worked. Harriet exhaled slowly, started to relax a bit on the comfy chair she was still sitting in, and closed her eyes again to help her memory. So, um, with the horn, I woke up. Sitting in the recliner in my own apartment, the glass of whiskey still in my hand. But I swear I could still hear the sound of this horn. What the actual fuck, right? It echoed around my apartment, and before you ask, no, I don't live anywhere near a train station or even any tracks. There's no subway or tram or whatever you call it. The sound had followed me out of my dream. I'm absolutely 100% sure of that. It was still ringing in my ears as well, giving it this strange, omnipresent tone. And I remember jumping up with my heartbeat going crazy. Harriet opened her eyes and looked around the room once more. She could feel her pulse racing again, cold droplets of sweat on her skin. Normally, she only experienced things like that once she awoke from her dreams. But now, it seemed talking and thinking about it already had the same effect. Shifting her body in a comfortable seat, she tried to get herself back under control. This was important. She didn't have time to sit here and hyperventilate. What would a doctor think about her then? No. Harriet needed to be calm, she reminded herself repeatedly. Professional. Sane. If she wanted him to believe her, to help her, she couldn't look like some kind of raving lunatic. She took a deep breath, lowered her head again, counted to five to bring herself back down. There it was again, the cold breeze right by her neck. Back to the story. I, of course, dumped a glass and whole bottle, but not before giving it a sniff test. Either this whiskey had somehow gone off, even though I'm not sure if stuff like that can do that, or someone had somehow poisoned me. But it, it didn't smell strange. Not right from the bottle, not while I poured it into the sink. Well, there was another explanation, I told myself. No one had poisoned me, but maybe someone had drugged my food or something outside my apartment. You know, as a joke or revenge. I remember walking into the bathroom, feeling strangely haunted, followed, hoping for an answer, yet feeling dread about looking into the mirror. If someone had dosed me with some kind of drug, I might be able to see it in my eyes, I reasoned back then. 
widen pupils or such. My pulse must have been at 160 beats per minute easily as I stepped in front of the mirror and looked myself in the eyes. It was strange. I looked normal, yet not. My eyes were the same. Both pupils were the same size. There was no discoloration, nothing. Yet somehow everything was wrong as well. The color was off. Normally, my eyes are a deep, dark brown. But back then, they looked lighter. My skin seemed strangely taut around my mouth. My nose was a bit smaller. And I could swear there were a few gray hairs on my head. I had to turn away. I could feel my pulse racing even more out of control. It was, it was like someone had tried to imitate me. I'd done a fine job in a short amount of time, but I'd gotten a few details wrong. What a dumb thought, right? Harriet waited a few seconds, gripped her left wrist with her right hand and counted the beats of her heart. It was racing again. She could feel it in her chest, this slight pain. There would be no answer, her subconscious told her. This session was about her talking, and only her. I remember almost running out of the bathroom, but stopping myself at the last moment. What I needed was a controlled environment. So I turned still dressed in my office clothes, and hopped into the shower, sitting down on the cold, tiled floor, and buried my face in my hands. All I needed to do, I told myself, was breathe. Wait a bit. Everything might just go back to normal. Somehow, someone had managed to dose me with something, I repeated in my mind. The best, the only thing I could do was to let it pass through me and hope they hadn't given me something with bad side effects. I remember feeling sweat running down my fingertips. Thought about turning the shower on, but decided against it at the last moment. I didn't need water splashing around me and maybe finding its way into my airways. What I should do was think. Who could have dosed me and why? Was it a gag, some prank or something more malicious? Some kind of revenge? In my head, I went down a list of all the people I had met that day. None of them had behaved strangely. Not a single one of the people I had fired had come back either. There hadn't even been some letter or package sent in by one of them. So, no way of getting me like that. I listened closely to my surroundings for a moment. 
My phone hadn't rung either. If this all should be nothing more than a joke, whoever had played it would have called to check on me, right? But nothing. Slowly, I could feel myself getting more agitated. My fingernails buried themselves into my skin, and the air was getting stale around me. I lifted my head and opened my eyes, and... She looked up, right at the doctor and the darkness that seemed to surround him. Tears were running down her cheeks. This was far harder than she would have thought. Talking about it. There had been ways she could have avoided it all, she now thought. If only she had known back then what she knew now. If only she could do it again. But that was impossible. She was caught, and it was doubtful that she could get out of this mess on her own. What she needed, what she had come here for, was help. For that to happen, she needed to tell her story. Convince him. As I lifted my head and looked, I could see it again. The train car. Still standing at the blacked-out station, still the same upholstery and interior as before. But one thing was changing. I could hear something. Footsteps, murmurs. People were boarding the train, slowly, reluctantly, as if none of them wanted to get on, as if someone or something was forcing them to get in there. The sound of the doors hissing and an opening filled the interior of the train. Weak yellow light still shined down onto the green and black seats. I felt strange, trapped in this ultra vivid hallucination. In the back of my mind, I knew that I was still sitting in my shower and that I shouldn't move no matter what happened. The last thing I needed was to inadvertently break the glass pane and cut myself while still wandering around in confusion. So, I kept sitting there, staring right at the end of the car, where the door would be opening shortly. I could hear them. Their shoes squeaked over the cheap floor the next car over. Slowly, they were filing in and would be here soon. Somehow... Dread was rising in me at that thought. What if it wasn't people filling in here? I hadn't caught even a glimpse of one of them. Outside the train, everything was dark. So if those things were living there, they might be something completely alien. Maybe some kind of ghost or demon. My pulse was racing. I could feel new sweat on my skin. Could I dive down? Hide beneath the seat? Maybe crawl along until I reached one of the doors? I tried to look. Forced my head downward. It froze as the hissing sound cut through the murmur and the door at the end of the car opened. The stairs hitting me felt 
ice cold and searing hot at the same time. I couldn't lift my head, knew that someone was entering the train car now. Hard, heavy footsteps. And suddenly, I woke up. Harriet's legs were trembling. She could feel her hands shivering, the slickness of her palms as she tried to keep them still. This was getting bad. Before coming here, she had thought talking about it out loud would be easy. That she could relax, lean back, and just tell him her story. But right now, her heart was beating so fast she was worried it might lose its rhythm. Would a doctor know what to do if she had a heart attack in front of him? Probably, right? He wasn't that kind of doctor, but he should be able to do some first aid stuff, right? Harriet felt a humorless chuckle building inside her throat. Wouldn't that be just the worst way this could end? With her finally about to get help, but then keeling over and falling to the floor, dead from a heart attack? It would be kind of poetic, wouldn't it? A voice inside her mind asked. Harriet breathed out, letting all the air escape her lungs while she gripped the armrest of the comfy chair and bent forward. She just needed to calm down, she tried to tell herself, already knowing that simply thinking those words wouldn't help her in any way, shape, or form. Devoid of air, her lungs were burning, twitching, yet her heart finally seemed to slow down a bit. Harriet endured the pain and concentrated on herself. Everything was all right, she thought. The doctor would help her, but for that to happen, she needed to get through her story. She just had to continue telling it and try and keep herself calm, passive. It couldn't hurt her right now. With a loud hiss, she inhaled letting her head shoot up and look around the room once again. Had it always been this dark? Or was it changing? She wasn't completely sure. Maybe hours had already passed. No, the doctor would have told her if she had gone above her allotted time. But she needed to tell her story, to finish it up. I woke up, sitting in the shower, screaming. Now, completely convinced that someone must have drugged me, I ran out and called myself an ambulance. They brought me in and ran a whole battery of tests on me. Alcohol? A minuscule amount, not even enough to get tipsy. Medications? Nope. Drugs? Nope. Common poisons? Zero. While I was sitting upright in the hospital bed, I could feel it. It was starting to move, to wobble, to rattle, like the seat on a train. I looked over toward the wall, but my sight wasn't shaking either. All I had was the strange feeling, and when I closed my eyes, I thought I could hear them. The others on the train, their low murmurs. Doctors and nurses came and went. I didn't run a fever and had no kind of psychotic break as far as they could tell. 
and there still was not a single test coming back positive. Waiting there, not daring to sleep, I tried to keep myself somehow occupied. There was one other person in the room, some old guy, at least 70 years old, who seemed completely out of it. He was connected to the machines, and more than once I caught myself glancing over there, wondering how much life still was left for him. His eyes were closed and his hair completely white. There was this strange scar running from the corner of his mouth upward, ending under his eye. In the low light, he looked dead already. I shivered at the thought. Days passed and I called into work to let them know. My promotion might be hindered by this, but I didn't care. Knowing that something bad was happening, even though no one could give me a straight answer, had helped me see the big picture, I would say. After almost a week, I think the doctors had enough. It's not like I wanted to stay. Everything they did came back negative. Every single test. It was clear to me that something was wrong, but they wouldn't be able to help me. By then, every time I closed my eyes, I could feel it moving. The train. You see, it's been getting worse. I didn't bother those doctors with it because they wouldn't be able to understand or do anything about it they hadn't done already. Pumping me full of barbiturates wasn't helping either. So we came to what I would call a mutual decision. A head doctor spoke to me, told me to return if anything worsened, and reiterated that I was just fine from a physiological standpoint, at least. A fucking joke. So, I said goodbye to him, and the almost dead man in my room, before packing my bag and heading back home. That was the biggest mistake of my life. Harriet felt herself getting antsy again. The soles of her shoes were tapping against the floor in a hectic rhythm. Somehow, every part of her subconscious seemed intent on stopping her. It was like something inside her didn't want her to say anything more out loud, as if talking about it would make it even more real. Harriet snorted as she shook her head, then wiped her brow with her hand. She was shaking, she realized. Her whole body was. As soon as I came back to my apartment, as I returned home, I could feel it, the shaking of the train. Now, it wasn't just some small little tremors running through me, but real rattling. I had to hold onto the inside of the door to keep myself steady, and thought about going outside again, but something kept me from reopening the door. This feeling, the sensation. Something was coming. My gut told me as much. 
and that I should run away from the door as quickly as possible. That was again the pneumatic hiss of a door opening. Only this time I could hear it without my eyes being closed. My body whirled around, away from the entrance as I staggered through my apartment. The second door hissed. Whatever was coming would be here now. I stumbled, fell, as I screamed, and suddenly, as I opened my eyes, I could see myself sitting in the seat again. Only this time, the train wasn't standing still anymore. The seats around me, in front of me, all throughout the whole car, weren't empty. Huddled figures sat next to me, all of them giving off this strange noise, this mumbling. Not to each other, but only for themselves. I couldn't see a single face, just their downturned heads as my eyes wandered through the compartment. Right at the end, I could see it. The door now standing open, and behind it, in the darkness, something waited. Someone. Those... those eyes. I could feel them resting on me. I tried to stand up, to turn and run, but as soon as I moved, someone grabbed hold of my arm. Of course, I turned and looked at the one sitting next to me. He had a scar running from the corner of his mouth up to his eye. There was this, this glimmer in his gaze. Fear, hate and rage were in there. He wouldn't let me go, I realized. And while the train moved on and my heart began to race in the rhythm of the tires hitting the tracks, I finally understood where we were heading. It's on its way to hell. Harriet looked up, could no longer stand staring at the floor, completely aware of how pathetic she was. There was nothing she could do against it on her own. She needed help. But the man sitting across from her still didn't respond, didn't move. She could see the wet spot on his shirt and heard the dripping sound, but behind it, the noise of a train. It was coming closer. Soon, she would wake up in there again, maybe for the last time. I, I finally came back to my senses and ran out of my apartment. It's, it's no longer safe anymore. Neither is sleeping. Every time I close my eyes, I can feel it pulling at my soul. The train is moving, and I'm one of its passengers. I don't know what I did to deserve it, nor what I have to do to get off. Please, please help me. I've wandered the streets down there for days, and when I saw your sign... I knew you'd be the one person to save me. Harriet was on her feet as she spoke those words. The train was coming. She could hear its horn blaring in the distance, 
Please help me, Dr. Mesmer. Harriet looked over at the figure still sitting in the chair. No, this wasn't what should have happened. She had come here, waited until all the other patients had gone, then begged him. A searing pain shot through her head. She stumbled backward and could feel her strained mind snapping. She had come up here. That much she still knew, but no. The train's horn was blaring. It was coming closer. He had laughed at her, had tried to send her away. There still was the smell of burned gunpowder lingering in the air. She looked at him and immediately averted her eyes. The hole in his chest had stopped bleeding, but the drops were still dripping down onto the floor where a giant red puddle had formed. No, Harriet groaned, holding her head in her hands. This wasn't how it was supposed to go. He should help her. As soon as she finished her story, he would tell her what to do, how to save herself. The searing pain made her close her eyes. She could feel it. The rough upholstery beneath her body. Smell it. The stench of fear lingered in the air. Harriet opened her eyes. There it was. The train car. Red and green upholstery all around. The dirty yellow light shone down from above. The door on the other side was open. Something walked through, and immediately she could see all the other humans packed into this car averting their eyes. No one dared to look at him. The one who was walking along. The conductor. Inhuman, alien-looking, he was walking along the path between the seats, never speeding up or slowing down. Harriet could feel her heart beating far too fast, quicker than the wheels could hit the tracks. A hand found hers. It was the man sitting next to her, now smiling softly. Please let me go. She mumbled, yet Harriet knew that she wouldn't get an answer. The conductor was coming toward her. There was no way off the train. A stinging pain shook her as something tore inside her heart. She could feel it slowing down. This was it, she thought, and as she looked up, she stared straight into his face. He was smiling, Harriet wondered, as his hand touched her shoulder and she could feel her body hitting the floor next to the puddle of blood. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this week's story. If you did, please consider supporting us on buymeacoffee.com slash hauntedtalespod. If you have anything to share with us, be it comments, story ideas you would like to hear, or just cute pictures of your pet, 
you can find all of our social media links in the episode descriptions. Until next time.